I'm Trillia Newbell, and this is Stories of Sacred Endurance, a podcast about persevering in Christ through the ups, downs, challenges, heartbreaks, and journey of life. Every episode, we will talk to a fellow saint who can teach us something important about enduring in the faith. Johnny Erickson Tata is an evangelical Christian author, radio host, and founder of Johnny and Friends, an organization accelerating Christian ministry in the disability community. She became a quadriplegic after a diving accident when she was a teenager. Her faith is incredible, and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. Well, for those who are getting to know you or who may not even know you, I'd love for them to get to know more about your actual profession of faith and when you profess Jesus and how. Well, I grew up in a family in which I always heard about the God of the Bible and certainly lots of Bible stories, but it wasn't until I was in high school and attended a Young Life Club that um, our club leader on a weekend retreat got up front with his J.B. Phillips Bible. There I was sitting on the hardwood floor with all my classmates, friends, and uh, teammates from field hockey and lacrosse. And and I heard him uh, list through the Ten Commandments, challenging us kids to measure our lives up against those commandments one by one. And I thought, well, this is going to be a cinch until he actually started leading us through it and explaining that if uh, we didn't think we were adulterous, then think twice because all we had to do was, um, you know, just have lustful thoughts after a guy and uh, we we were missing the mark or Mm -hmm. cheating, stealing answers off of somebody else's chemistry exam or, or not honoring or obeying our, our mother and father, which I was, I knew I was guilty of. So one by one, I I realized I was really falling short. Mm -hmm. I, I was not measuring up to this incredible standard of righteousness that God was setting. What a high bar. And I went away from that camp meeting that night pretty frustrated and went outside and was challenged to think about what the speaker had said. And and it was as though a light bulb went on over my head where, boing, I, I, I suddenly got it. I realized, mm. wait a minute, this is why Jesus came. He knew I couldn't keep the Ten Commandments. He knew I'd never lived the perfect life. And yet he did. So on that cross, he was taking my place. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. And there I bowed my head and with halting words, uh, certainly not very religious words, I opened my heart to Christ and invited him to take charge. As best I knew how, take charge, Jesus. And he did. Uh, The first year of my Christian walk was, I was like walking on cloud nine in my 10th grade of high school, but then as uh, as I came to be a junior in high school and then a senior, my, my faith waned. I was fooling around with my high school boyfriend on Friday nights doing things I knew full well I shouldn't be doing, mm-hmm. yet confessing them all up on a Sunday morning, but then I got trapped in the same cycle the next Friday, Saturday night, and and I was living a morally devastated life. I was just about ready to graduate from high school, go off to college with my boyfriend. He was going to the same school I was going to. And I was thinking, you know, I can't stand being a hypocrite. Maybe I should chuck this whole Christian faith because I Hmm. don't want God to look bad. And I'm smearing his good name and making a a joke of his reputation. I'm calling myself a Christian, but I know full well I'm not acting like it. So I broke my neck. Wow. 
I didn't plan on it. I didn't, it wasn't even in my calculations, but just a month after high school graduation, I broke my neck diving into shallow water um, with my sister Jay, or, or my sister Kathy. Um, she went with me that day to the beach. We were going to spend one more day together before we both went off to separate colleges, and and I broke my neck, and it changed everything. Wow. And I, I was lying on that uh, hospital bed, doctors telling me I'd be paralyzed for the rest of my life, and thinking, oh, God, this this can't be your idea of a closer walk with you. I mean, is this your, is this your punishment of me? Is this Is this payback time for all the Friday nights and Saturday nights. I, I, I was a hypocrite and uh, I was confused. I was frustrated. I sank into depression and I became absolutely numb, both emotionally, spiritually. And uh, I thought, I thought it was the end of my life. I really did, Trillia. Hmm. And this was in July of, I believe, 1967. Is that correct? When a long time ago. A long time ago. And you spent quite a, quite a time in, in and out of rehab centers. Right. I, I, first, the first year, I, I wasn't even able to sit up in a wheelchair. I lost a great deal of weight and had to go through many surgeries. I was stuck on the geriatric ward of a state institution hmm. with uh, five other spinal cord injured young girls like me. And uh, the state really didn't know what to do with us. And finally, my... Uh, my parents found a way to get me off to a good rehab center out in Southern California where I began to learn uh, just basic activities of daily living, how to feed myself, uh, how to operate a power wheelchair, just taking, you know, managing my disability, all those things. Of course, I was still depressed. And when I went home after having gotten out of rehab, when I went back to Maryland, uh, there I was in my house. Uh, and it, it was a house that I had always lived in as a, a, an athletic teenager, jumping, running up the steps, doing dishes, um, carrying laundry, mm-hmm. running outside, um, just making my own bed and setting the table. And here I was stuck in a wheelchair. And I, my depression wasn't getting better. Yeah. But it was around that time that I met a, a young, young man. He was younger than me, still in high school, Steve Estes. And he had a love of God's word. And Mm. I had a couple of friends who knew I had some tough questions. And so they connected me with him. And I began firing off all my questions at Steve. And lo and behold, this kid had answers. Mm. (laughs) And uh, I I was amazed. There are a lot of people who struggle with depression. And so could you walk us through that journey from, you're young, young, um, injured, struggling with depression, your life has changed. And how did the Lord draw you out of that? Uh, somebody told me that marvelous verse, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against, but against powers and principalities. And mm. Except they interjected my uh, disability into that verse. Johnny, you're wrestling not against the flesh and blood of spinal cord injury. You're you're wrestling against powers and principalities that would love nothing more than to keep you steeped in depression. So here are some anchors from God's word you better hold on to if you don't want to fall down into suicidal despair. Hmm. Well, I had been down that dark, grim path in the hospital, and I did not want to go back. And so I began to hold on to uh, some Bible promises that to me were, were uh, life-altering. 
but just as life-altering were the Christian friends who journeyed alongside me. I mean, these weren't people who um, gave me pious platitudes, patting me on the head, feeding me a Bible verse and saying, here, swallow this, you'll feel better. You know, these, these were people who literally hooked, hooked up their spiritual veins to mine and infused within me their compassion. You know, they, they say that compassion means with suffering, come means with, passion means suffering, with suffering. They were with me in my suffering. Hmm. And uh, they participated in my life. Real quickly, I remember one group, um, a couple of friends from high school choir, they, they came and got me one Friday evening, put me in their Camaro, and we drove down to Baltimore City about 11 o'clock at night and piled out onto the Pennsylvania Railway Station, this big monolith of a gorgeous marble train station with travertine floors and high vaulted ceilings and and uh, we started singing. Um, there I'm in my wheelchair singing with my friends and harmonizing. It was beautiful. Hmm. Place was nearly empty. We had it to ourselves, and except a an officious looking guy in a in a uniform came up and started telling us kids to get out of here. There's no loitering. Don't you see that sign? Then he looked at me and said, "And you, you in the wheelchair, put it back where you found it, quick, and get out of here." And and I laughed because I said, "Sir, this is my wheelchair." Uh, and he said, don't give me any lip, Missy. You put that back where you found it right now. Huh. Well, finally, he realized I was telling the truth. Yeah. And, and we laughed all the way back home. It was so funny. But my friend said to me that night as she was helping me into bed, she said, Johnny, that's the first time I've ever heard you call it my wheelchair. Hmm. And she said, thank you for owning your suffering because it speaks volumes to the rest of us. That's amazing. And yeah, it wasn't me, because I, I think that's a good illustration of compassion. They were, they were just young people with me in my suffering, participating and helping me ease back into the mainstream of life. But there was um, one thing that really helped me run the race of endurance. Um, and it was a friend, something my friend Steve Estes, the same young kid, um, he, 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 he challenged me to consider that God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Hmm. And I didn't buy that at first until Steve explained that, well, God once tried it out on himself. He permitted what he hated, the cross of his own precious dear son, and all of its ancillary torture and murder and injustice and treason. He permitted things he hated, absolutely despised, and grieved over. He took no pleasure, no delight in the cross. It was a heinous crime, and yet he permitted what he hated to accomplish something that he loved. In fact, something that he prized even above the death of his own precious son. And of course, I'm looking at Steve thinking, well, what could be more precious? What could God value higher than, higher than that? And he, he replied, well, how about salvation for a world of sinners? God permitted what he hated, the cross, in order to accomplish something that he loved, our salvation. And Satan slit his own throat when he inspired all those events leading up to the crucifixion because the world's worst murder became Hmm. our salvation, the world's salvation. And Steve said a remarkable thing. He said, Johnny, the exact same thing is a parallel to your life. God permitted what he hated, your spinal cord injury. I mean, when you took that dive, Johnny, Jesus felt the sting in his chest. Hmm. It grieved him. He took no delight in him. You got a heavenly father who hurts for you. 
So he permitted what he hated, though, to accomplish something that he loved. How about Christ in you, the hope of glory? How about God stretching your soul's capacity for real courage? How about cultivating a truly brave soul, learning what it means to persevere, endure, rising above affliction, and discovering what everlasting joy feels like here in the temporal world. Just, it, I mean, he made it sound so enticing, so wonderful, so winsome. And he convinced me yeah. just from that simple, so simple 10 words. God permits what he hates to accomplish that which he loves. And have you, it sounds like this is something that has, you've been clinging to um, as you've walked this race and, and you're running your race. Is there something um are you is it something about the it's the gospel ultimately <laughs> that you are clinging to and is there something that you would encourage other people who are hearing this and they're just not there they want to believe they want to they're listening and they're oh i want to be there but i'm i'm not there how would you encourage them in their suffering and struggling um and, and, and maybe I guess we could call it doubting and lack of faith. Well, I would encourage those friends listening to do what I do every morning. Because every morning when I wake up, I am, in your words, Trulia, not there. Yeah. I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the idea of having to have people come into my bedroom and do all my toileting routines. And one more time, give me a bed bath. Must be the 12,000th time. In my life, give me a bed bath, do my toileting routines, scrub my body, strap on corsets and binders, get me dressed, put me in the wheelchair, push me to the bathroom, brush my teeth, brush my hair, fix my breakfast. I, it's like I get overwhelmed and I have not even opened my eyes on my pillow. Mm. And I know there are friends listening who feel the same. They, they feel like they're, they're, they're going to collapse and the day has not even begun. They don't even know how they're going to make it to lunchtime. And I know that feeling. I resonate with that feeling because yeah. I experience it every day. I cannot do quadriplegia. I, I echo our friends listening who feel like they cannot do life. But I can do all things through Christ mm. who strengthens me. And I know our friends listening can do the same. You know, truly, when I, when I was, um, when I was in what? When I was in confirmation class, 12 years old, I took a, quote, life verse. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm -hmm. I memorized it back then, what, 60 some odd years ago, and I, and, uh, I still know it by heart. But now, I, it's part of my life. Yeah. Because every morning, I am crucified with Christ. It is not I who lives. I can't do it but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, that is the life I live when I wake up in the morning and start my day, I don't live in my own strength. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I can't do quadriplegia, but God sure can. He can do the impossible. Yes. And so every day I ask him to do it. Do the impossible, Jesus, because I can't. And what do you know? He shows up. <laughs> He's absolutely faithful to show up and give the strength that I lack. So the secret is not in having 
boing, you've arrived. Yes. You've got it all together. You know, the secret is acknowledging your own affliction, your own weakness, your own inability, because then God's power will be poured out on you. Mm. He's always looking for broken people in which to pour his grace and his power and his peace and perspective. It's just too many of us are afraid to admit, we're embarrassed to admit how needy and helpless we really are. So blessed are those who come to Jesus in empty-handed spiritual poverty because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's something that you've said a couple of times, and I want to highlight. You've said that you had friends who showed compassion and friends who stuck by you. You used the word that they they hooked themselves up, their spiritual veins, and they 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 were like a lifeline of um, of compassion. And then you just said that you, you wake up. And you have all these people who have to do these things, but they're there. They have to, they're helping. And so there's something communal about our suffering where there's a need for people. And you, again, referenced, we don't want to say it, but we need help. We ultimately need help from Jesus. But as you've demonstrated, we also need help from other people. Would you say, would you agree with that? And, and how would you? How has that impact of having people um, helped you run this race? Oh, well, Trulia, I can't, I can't see it better than you just did. Oh. <laughs> it was like bingo. I mean, you, 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 you touched, uh, you, 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 you hit the nail on the head. You, you touched on right on the truth. Because God doesn't want us to suffer alone. He never, uh, he never intended that we should suffer alone. Yeah. It's the whole purpose behind spiritual community. And to me, what's most heartbreaking is that Jesus went without that kind of fellowship, you know, so that we might have it. He was forsaken, but we are not. There's something beautiful about reaching out to ask for help. The girls who get me up in the morning, those girls I mentioned who come into my bedroom and give me a bed bath and, and do my toileting routines and get me dressed and sit me up in the wheelchair, I know that they are not serving me so much as the Lord Christ. It says that in Colossians chapter Three verse 23, it is the Lord you are serving, uh, the Apostle Paul says there, and a rich, rich reward awaits those who serve others in Jesus' name. I mean, even when Christ as judge separates the sheep and the goat in Matthew chapter 25, it's all going to be based on what did we do for people? How did we connect with them? Did we feed them? Did we clothe the naked? Did we give bread to the hungry a drink to the thirsty? Did we visit the prisoner? Were we, quote, with people in a, in a compassionate way? Did we journey with them in their suffering? You know, the, the, the body of Christ is just that. We're a body. The, and all the parts just have to work together. There's, there's no room for mavericks or lone rangers in the kingdom of Christ. It's, it's all about finding people that you can help and finding people that uh, you can bless. I bet there might be some listening who feel like, well, I don't have anybody. There's nobody helping me. Hmm. Well, then you go find somebody you can help. Hmm. I mean, I tell quadriplegics who are in bed, you can find somebody who's suffering worse than you are. You know, get on your computer. You got it right here. You got your voice activation dickware. Get on your computer and you find those people. You write them notes of encouragement. You cut and paste Bible verses as you can send to them. You, you, you check in on them often. You pray for them. You start serving others. Hmm. And God will take care 
of finding people to serve you, help you, lift you up. It's always about following Jesus and the way he served. And oh my goodness, there he was on his deathbed, the cross, and what's he doing? He's serving mm, other people. Right. He's reaching out to the thief next to him, and he's yep. counseling his mother who to live with, and he's, I mean, he's just doing all these amazing things. It is amazing. From his, own, from his deathbed, and he's yeah. serving others. So why, so why can't we? Mm. And why shouldn't we? Good and, point, Trillia. Yeah. <laughs> well, good elaboration. That's amazing. It is true. And and you, actually, this is what your life is about. You turned your suffering and trials into an opportunity to serve others. And you have a thriving ministry. What has been the key to continuing in ministry all these years? Because you you have not stopped serving. You were just in Nashville serving. And so I'm, I'm just so grateful for your life in ministry, um, but you are living out what you're asking others to do. Well, I have been, I've been so blessed. I can start crying talking about it. I've been so blessed. I mean, Trillia, think about it. I'm I'm 52 years of quadriplegic. I should be dead. Hmm. But for some reason, I'm outliving statistics. I'm healthy. I'm sitting up in a wheelchair. Yeah, I've got my challenges, but I'm, I'm still moving forward into life. And I'm so blessed. How can I not um, pass on the blessing to others? Hmm. So it's why, you know, we started family retreats for special needs families. We'll have uh, 59 retreats for special needs families here in the States and overseas this year, and we'll deliver, you know, up to 200,000 wheelchairs. We're going to reach our mark of 200,000 wheelchairs and Bibles. That's amazing. It's, it's expending all of yourself on the behalf of that person whose suffering is worse than yours. And I never look at my own press releases. In fact, um, we have a beautiful building here, the Johnny and Friends International Disability Center, and we just put in a new ramp to an adjacent building because we're growing so and expanding. And I'm wheeling up the ramp yesterday, saying out loud, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. That marvelous passage from Jeremiah where, you know, God's people thought, oh, God's going to bless us because we have this nice big building. Uh-uh, mm. <laughs> Jeremiah says. Don't be relying on what that temple looks like to you on the outside. You you get your life right with Christ, mm. with God. And uh, so I don't rely on the external evidences of, quote, worldly success. And I I just rely on the next person I meet who really needs help in Jesus' name, who maybe doesn't have a wheelchair or doesn't have a personal care attendant to get them up in the morning or is steeped in depression as I once was. Um, You just look for all kinds of ways to keep looking, keep, you know, turning over rocks and stones to find those people that others are forgetting that, uh, that others pass by and, and ignore. You know, these are the people that we want to reach. So it's, it's for us a joy to go into some of the darkest places in the world and make the kingdom strong mm. by um, not only declaring the gospel, but showcasing what that gospel looks like through practical help and service. It's amazing. So it keeps well, me going. It <laughs> does. And if you could give one piece of advice or encouragement to the younger generation, what advice would you give them? I see that there's a lot of distraction and discouragement and loneliness. How can we faithfully run this race of endurance? Well, to a younger generation, I would just encourage them to 
look at how high the cosmic stakes really are. Hmm. Um, they're pretty high. And there are people all around you who might well enter a Christless eternity of de- de- absolute utter darkness and despair. And um, I would encourage them if they are struggling and feeling life's challenges are too overwhelming, if they are faced with high hurdles of affliction or chronic fatigue syndrome, autoimmune disorders, whatever, loneliness, I don't know. But look at it all through the lens of Genesis 50, chapter 20, when Joseph said to his wicked brothers who sold him into slavery, he said, you guys meant it for evil, but God intended it for good. Mm-hmm. Now get this part, for the saving of many lives. If God allows all things to happen so that our suffering might be a platform for the saving of many lives. And there are individuals all around, our young listeners, neighbors, friends, co-workers, um, college roommates, people on campus, at our place of work, at the drugstore, the dry cleaners, at Starbucks. Um, there are people all around, some of our listening friends who are young and kind of like shrugging their shoulders, well, what next, what do I do? Well, if you're hard hit with affliction or pain or disappointment, just remember God God intends the things that happen in your life so that your suffering might be a platform for the quote, saving of many lives. So get up tomorrow morning, take a shower, get dressed, go out your front door and find somebody who's hurting worse than you are and 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 show them the gospel. Show them what it looks like. Be Jesus with skin on, just share his love, give his hope, anchor them to God's word and you will have been fulfilling your the highest possible destiny God could have for you. Mm. you, you you're fulfilling your calling um, to go out and find those who are hurting and bring them into the Father's house. So that would be my piece of advice. Mm, thank you for that. I make, I make certain you really know Jesus. Spend yes. time with Jesus. Oh, my goodness, because he's the motivation. He's the one who gives the energy and the perspective and the, and the joy. Oh, my goodness, yes. the joy. Yes, yes. I think there's been a theme throughout this whole our t- time together, and it is n- summed up. It is not about us. <laughs> like you've talked about serving other people, talked about focusing on Jesus and His strength, and not being a maverick, not being a lone ranger, um, and 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 we're ending on evangelism, <laughs> going and sharing the gospel. Yeah. So it's just not about us. And um, and it's such a refreshing and freeing message to think of. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him, his glory, his uh, magnifying yeah. him in a world of darkness. And um, that's motivating. Oh, yes, it is. And one, one last thing I want to say to, to kind of like summarize or put a, put a final sentence on your summary right there. It's that everything we do down here on earth has a direct bearing on our capacity for service and worship and joy in heaven. Everything. So don't waste your affliction. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your suffering. Don't waste the moment. You know, use it to accrue for yourself a heavenly reward that you're not going to hoard at your feet. No, you're going to cast those crowns at Jesus' feet. And your capacity to serve him is going to be higher than you ever dreamed possible. So I, I, I don't want to minimize my eternal estate. 
I don't want our listening friends to have their eternal estate diminished or jeopardized by complaining or self-pity or whining. I want their eternal estate to be large and roomy hmm. and, 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 and stretched far and wide so that they can experience more of joy, more of service and worship to Jesus in heaven. He'll be so much more glorious in our eyes uh, up there, so let's not waste it down here. Shirley, I just want to thank you for writing about this in your new book, Stories of Sacred Endurance. Thank you so much for encouraging young people to endure, to persevere through the hard times, because in so doing, that perseverance truly becomes sacred. Thanks for listening to Stories of Sacred Endurance. If you are enjoying it, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That will help more people discover and hopefully be encouraged by this podcast. And be sure to pick up a copy of my new book, Sacred Endurance, from InterVarsity Press. InterVarsity Press is offering podcast listeners 30% off the book through March 2020. Go to ivypress.com and use the code SACRED30 for 30% off and free shipping on your copy of Sacred Endurance. Thanks for listening.